Show me the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. Yes. Well, I mean, I, I mean, we're, we're celebrating, aren't we? Because Hong Kong, yet again, has proved its vital role in the world of financial exchanges. And we see that from these Panama Papers. Hong Kong is numero uno as an intermediary in funneling business Funneling, sorry, sorry, not funneling. Funneling, um, 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 uh, 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 weasel, insert weasel word that you happen <laughs> to know um, to this very fine company of um, <clears throat> intermediaries called Mossack Fonseca in Panama. Lovely people, not a smith, and they say they're doing nothing wrong. It so. reminds me of that movie, The Firm, or it, the book. It, the it firm. does a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> so, so apparently, Hong Kong is the major um, intermediary centre for people funneling who want to funnel money to this very fine company. In fact, it accounts for 29% of its customer base, worldwide customer base. You don't so, have to put hey, that face, I'm with you. I know exactly no, the point so, you're trying so to make. So my point is, hey, Eyes like saucepans who right says now. Hong Kong isn't number one? Yeah. I'm just, just making that point. In- <laughs> now, in, in a, a lot of this money, of course, that's going in that direction, and who would have guessed it, comes from the mainland. And I'm sure... I'm sure it's okay. I mean, all right, it's a bit unusual that it's sort of large bundles of used notes that have to be Big brought over the border. And it's a bit unusual that uh, some of the names sort of seem to change all the time. And it's a bit unusual that some of them seem to be connected with some of the very highest people in the land, including President Xi Jinping. But, hey, it's all right, because I'm sure all of that money was acquired in a very straightforward and honest way. And this clearly has nothing to do, let me just stress this, nothing to do with money laundering whatsoever. I think I've got Tom Jones disease. It's not unusual. <laughs> so, I mean, there's all this going on. And um, then we have Casey Chan, who's the secretary for weaseling at the um, finance, whatever it is, saying, oh, gosh, nothing wrong here. Hong Kong, very good. Uh, everything in order. Next. Well, actually, the fact of the matter is, it may all be in order. Yeah, legal, see. It may all be legal. It may all be above board. But when you have this kind of enormous, explosive revelation of all this hot money flooding around the world, connected to, for example, you know, the Prime Minister of Iceland's already had to resign. Three days that took, um, I mean. Marine Le Pen apparently manages to put money in uh, a bank that shall be remain nameless, HSBC, in Hong Kong to, to hide some accounts, etc., etc. You do start to, to think that this is a bit of a global issue. And on the day that all of this is revealed, for the Secretary to the Treasury to say, uh, as Casey Chan did, oh, yes, no problem, everything good. If I were him, I'd be a bit careful, because everything good, everything in order... If that's the case, fine. But I wouldn't be so cocky. I'm just saying there is a lot of very, very slimy brown stuff hovering around the fan here. And it would be wise, I would have thought, for the Hong Kong authorities to, as a minimum, to ensure Hong Kong's reputation, say, you know, if there are problems here, we will lock into them, rather than saying, I'll tell mm. you what, there ain't nothing wrong here. Yeah. The interesting one is the mainland stuff. You remember those articles in, in the New York Times some yeah. time ago about family money upstairs? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, here's the deal. Here's the clincher. There's no indication that any of the dealings are illegal, but it is against mainland law for relatives of senior officials to use their connections for profit. That does take me straight back to that New York Times article. Well, indeed. And, 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 and you know, I mean... 
we're not breaking new ground by saying there may well be corruption on the mainland, and we're not breaking new ground by saying that. Yeah, but it's who. It's who. The people who are earning <clears throat> two thousand yuan a, a, a month and have assets in the billions, that gives you cause to investigate. I'm just saying, doesn't it? Don't see how. No, no. Sorry, I, maybe I'm, I'm making a, a, a lateral, unlateral leap there. There was a comparison <laughs> made that if you want to, if you want to find out how big this is compared to the WikiLeaks stuff, somebody said WikiLeaks think San Francisco, this one think the whole of India. Yeah, or wholesale as we call it. <laughs> so, yeah. in, ter- I mean, in terms I mean, of size it, comparison, well, we, we haven't seen the um, full documents. I mean, they're. they're trickling out and i know what the news organizations are doing they're they're milking the story for all it's worth and frankly why shouldn't they oh yeah that's what they're there for. that's what they're there for and one of the reasons it's in the hands of journalists rather than nerds is because journalists have a good eye for spotting what is you know a bit more sexy and likely to be of more interest mm. but you know there will be the devil in the detail once we see and they promise to release the whole that's what cash. i'm saying they time release this yeah, stuff yeah. so at the moment it hasn't got quite close to the boys at the top of the tree. Well, and it's, I got, think it's got pretty close. But in I a few mean, days' time, unlock, bang, one more but you step. Know, you know, you, you see the collateral damage all over the place. I mean, for example, in Britain, Prime Minister David Cameron has, old man. has, has got to say, well, you know, <laughs> money over a secret trust and overseas, well, you know, nothing to do with me. And then by the following day, it was, well, say nothing to do. I mean, you know, not at the moment anyway. Do you know what's happening? Across the world, people are dobbing in their nearest relatives. Yes. <laughs> not just their wives. Yeah. My old man's a real sleazebag, says David Cameron. It's official. My old man's a very rich dustman. Yeah. <laughs> but well, he is a very posh boy, so, I mean, you know, these but again, posh has boys he, do he... get involved in this stuff. We might, I think what we're doing is confusing the sort of moral right with what's legal and what's not legal. I mean, did, well, did Cameron's old man break the law? I don't know. I don't know that either. I, I think that the thing about being involved in public life... The key is in those two words, public life. If you really do want to be Prime Minister, you do want to be a legislator, you do want to be in some form saying that, you know, I'm up here, I'm supposed to be serving the community, you do need to be a bit cleaner than clean. And you do want to remove all causes of suspicion. I think that the idea that somehow politicians should be judged by a lower standard just because they're scumbags (laughs) is very unfair. I don't understand it so... So many times we read a story of politicians all over the world and they do the most cheap... Because they think they can get away with it. But the most it. cheap... St- I know. I, I want to swear right now, but you know what? I know. Like, like, but they like all their think- flats expenses yeah. and their travelling expenses. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, why would someone who, who's, who's earning quite a good whack... I mean, politicians are always whining. I've never met a group of people who whine so much about how little they earn. Because they compare themselves with bankers and, and other very highly paid people. And they say, you know, look, I'm, I've got this really responsible job and I'm being paid a fraction of what, you know, Mr. Wong Wong, very fat, is earning across the road. Yeah. Well, that's the deal, mate. Public service is not well rewarded. It's, it's the deal. If you don't like it, go and do what Mr. Wong Wong Fat does and you will earn more money. Maybe, actually, you can't do that because nobody will have you in that company, but... 
Give it a go if that's what you think. Yeah, this is impacting in different ways too. You know, we had the Wisconsin stuff in the states the other day, and yeah. uh, uh, Bernie, Bernie looking great Bernie on this Saunders. one. But you know what's come out of this? A video from 2011 when Bernie was Mystic Meg, and he predicted this. I watched it last night. Is it's, that right? I'll, I'll play it to you in a minute. Yeah. Bern, Bernie from 2011 saying basically this is going to happen. He it was is, it was a law, and he said this law will enable da 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 QED. Yeah, he will. He is gaining a lot of traction he, out of this because the more that people, I mean, people always assume that there's something a bit dirty in politics. I don't think that's a new new idea, but you know, when you start getting more actual evidence of of dusky stuff, then people go, you know what? I'm really fed up. Is this the way of the world these days? If you look around, what are the major blights on the planet? Well, of course, terrorism, people blowing each other up. And second seems to be this stuff. Well, disenchantment with the established order. And and that disenchantment, it, I mean, it, it sort of grew out of the fact that, that, that you know, that this very wealthy elite were running everything and leaving everybody else to get on with it. But if it seems that the very wealthy elite don't even pay their whack mm-hmm. in taxes, have have access to all these elaborate devices for shifting money around so that the uh, authorities don't get sight of it. People are going, you know, the laws don't seem to work for everyone. Interesting question here from Stefan. It's like a foreign version of you. Yes. Uh, He says, obviously, a lot to discuss regarding this issue, as it has been in our office. One hypothesis which arose is the obvious fact that Hong Kong has undoubtedly had a major significance and importance for the mainland elite in squirrelling funds away, he says. And here's the question. Without this crux, we wonder whether the PRC would have held off moving the PLA into Quash Occupy Central, for example, or take a heavier hand with independence advocates, etc., or even abolish one country, two systems. It's quite quite an interesting question, that, because if you think of the importance of Hong Kong to the elite in China, I mean, where is it that they look to to get their legal services? Where do they look to to do their banking? This is the office. This is the office they go to. So, on the one hand, they want the office to be quiet and to be under control and they don't want anybody popping up and saying anything really absurd like democracy. But on the other hand, they kind of know... Yes, exactly. If you go in with with, with tanks blaring and and all the rest of it, you're actually going to knock the office down as well. That's a really good, interesting thing to talk about, this one. Steph. Yeah, good good point. Brilliant one. Mind you, talking about these things, uh, you can't help by being amused by the juxtaposition of Hong Kong Bank... Uh, who should remain nameless, of course, um, being named as one of the biggest intermediaries in all of this. But they get in the news for this stuff every six months, don't they? But they, they, they've had a bit of problems, a bit of what we call reputational issues. Um, but but this is also the bank that won't give a which won't give a bank account to Joshua Wong. So I've got a suggestion to Joshua Wong and his new political party. Come up with a bleeding Se- name we can say. Well, no, <laughs> come on, come on. That's just too ridiculous. No, no. My suggestion is set it up, up offshore. Go to Panama and do it that way around. I mean, that's what everyone else does. Still Gosh. in with Steve Vines. How are you doing? I listen oh, to the lyrics. <laughs> you're, you're very clever. I was on it today. <laughs> Where were we? Where were we? Well, we could actually move on to a new subject, mm-hmm. could we not? Go on then. Um, um, Hong Kong's number one Carpenters fan and chief executive. Right. Um, He's not going to be allowed to forget that, incidentally. Um, apparently, is now Hong Kong's number one localist. Who knew? 
Devil is in the detail on this devil one. Devil is go in on. the detail. Go You're on. quite right. The devil is indeed in the detail. But um, on Tuesday, C.Y. Lung announced that there was no need, absolutely no need, for people to worry about um, anything to do with localism. Very bad, incidentally. Very, very bad, in fact. Um, because there was nobody more committed to protecting local interests than the, the government. Number one carpenter fan himself, C.Y. Lung. Now get on to the devil in the detail. Let's bit. get on to the devil <laughs> in the detail. How do we know that he is the number one uh, protector of local interests? It's interesting what he cited as examples of why he was such a person. And all of these examples, and it's, it's absolutely staggering actually, all of these examples refer to how he's managed to screw your average mainlander rather than, you know, the bosses, because we don't want to say anything. So he cites as an example the fact that there's now a limit on how much milk powder can be carried back across the border. Mm. He cited as another example his bold move to, to, to limit the number of visits to, I think it's once a week, by various people from Guangdong province. Um, except for important people, they can come as often as they like. But, you know, if you're one of the great unwashed... And you can leave without... And you, yes, it will, we, we won't go there. And I think the other thing he cited as an example of his bold commitment to, to local people's interests was the um, restrictions on, on residential property purchases, you know, to prevent These prices. are money things. The, these are all money things, and these are all things which affect individual people from across the border. It's interesting his mindset is that, you know, to protect Hong Kong people, you have to hurt someone else. I mean, the idea that you would actually be able to really look after local interests, like, for example, by, we've just heard in the news bulletin, meeting your target for building public housing. Well, that, that some people might be interested in that, particularly people who don't have nice homes. But, hey, maybe you would think protecting local interests would involve, instead of dishing out a bit of fruit money every now and again at the budget to elderly people, you'd actually do something serious about putting a pension scheme in. And maybe if you were really so committed to Hong Kong, you'd actually be able to support the local football team. I was going to say. Just saying. Just, well, there's, <laughs> there's a quote here. You can look at the three-year period since the administration came to office. We've adopted a Hong Kong People First policy in every livelihood issue and have seen results. My question here is a genuine question. Does that include people whose kids go to school near the border? No idea. No specifics given. I mean, you know, really... Uh, Near our side of the... Yes, I know what you mean. But, look, look, I, I mean, local people first? I don't know what he means. I mean, if he means local people first so he can screw, you know, Joe Blog uh, citizen across the border, probably right. I mean, you know, to be fair, C.Y. Long is a equal opportunity people hater. I think he hates all sorts of people. But when it comes to actually standing up for Hong Kong's interests. I mean, take, you, you, you jokingly referred to, you know, crossing the border, but take the Lee Bor case, which, needless to say, is something on everybody's mind still, because... And it's still, got way deeper. We still don't know what happened. But, you know, what was his immediate response to everybody's fears about this? Oh, that's right, nothing. What was his response after the outcry was so overwhelming that he felt that something needed to be said? And his response was very forthright and, and, and uh, very reassuring. We're looking into the matter. Gosh, I, I, as soon as I heard that, I thought, oh, well, there's nothing to worry about. You know, if people are whisked across the border by security officials and they're looking into the matter, it's all right. Then, then they were going to look into the specific case of Li Bo, who, as everybody now knows, has returned to Hong Kong, but 
it's in it unexplained oh, he took off again. as well he's he's been no, backwards he's been, and forwards and he seems to be on a particular script of saying how wonderful the mainland is and, and how, for a bloke that was publishing cheeky books that's yeah, just how little he appreciated the economic advances that have gone in the mainland lee boy is not a stupid person but he can apparently read a script so we still don't know but what's really interesting is the one thing that we do know is there was no record of him leaving hong kong and it is indeed an offence to it leave a territory without... It absolutely is. And apparently they've conducted very, 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 very thorough investigations into it, and actually they can't see any reason to uh, to pursue them any further. Hmm. So that's all right, then. I tell you what... These are local interests, incidentally. All these isms we're getting, Steve, localism, separatism, independentism... Nativism. <laughs> nativism, all this sort of stuff. I can't help but feel... I don't know what you think about this. Ten years... There's been a lot of doth protesting way too much about this one for something that's a bunch of... You're talking about the film. I'm talking about the film. For some for something that is just a crummy little, quote, you know, crummy little piece of cinem, cinema ta- trash, why are you so worried about this? Well, it's very interesting, isn't it? I mean, the, the, the disproportionate uh, influence that various cultural things like films, like songs, have... On, on one-party states and on people who are nervous about the people being able to express themselves. I mean, ten years, in case anybody doesn't know, is this film that, that predicts... I think they do now. Well, <laughs> just in case. For the listener who doesn't know about it, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of dystopian view of what will happen to Hong Kong in ten years' time um, as we move closer to 2047 when the basic law ends and what have you. So... What that film does mm. is is it presents this dystopian view of what's going to happen in Hong Kong. It was made on a very low budget, so it's not very slick, but it really has struck a chord in Hong Kong. It struck an even bigger chord because cinemas are refusing to show it because of pressure from a, a northerly but direction. But, but then they're telling the questioners it's not a political thing, so-and-so. Why can't they just say no? We, you know, just no. We're not going to. We're not going to play it. No. Well, because well, nothing's political. I mean, stopping. So it's becoming Joshua a culture of having a bank account in it? Hong Kong. Nothing political about that. Everything is not political, apparently, except for the people who are opposed to various aspects against uh, government policy, and they're just politicising everything. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. But just coming back to the film, I mean, it's really interesting. There's all sorts of new, new, newly hatched film critics. You know, the problem has arisen because it became the best film in the Hong Kong Film Awards. So now these these lovely people who, who are in the film industry and are, oh, by sheer coincidence, entirely reliant on distribution of their films on the mainland to make a living, they've independently come up with the idea that the whole system of the Hong Kong Film Awards, uh, film awards should be scrapped and revised so that this <laughs> terrible thing doesn't happen again. Gosh! You know, I mean, there's no end to their fear, their audacity in wanting to change an entire system just to accommodate political correctness as it is now expressed in Hong Kong. You know, when people would be coming up with their statements, well, this is wrong. And you just want to you just want to grab the computer screen and have a have a wire into these people making these statements. Yeah. And say why? Tell me why you think this is wrong, Mister. Well, Sunset. you know, I mean, it, it, but of course, to just remember, it's nothing to do with politics. It's as wrong as robbing a bank. Some bright spark said the other day. <laughs> is that right? Good luck with that one. Good luck with that one. Yeah. But there's uh, a sorry. Is there anything wrong with robbing a bank? I'm just thinking that <laughs> no, through. No, yeah. talk, talking about robbing a bank. Yes, We're getting I'm into talking, all this. Yeah, I know. There's been so much fuss about this. You do think. 
you know, it, well, you, you know do what I'm trying to say. He it, does protest too much. Yeah, it's it's in that. It's in that category. If you're not worried it? about it, stop jumping up and down. Yeah. It's just a I mean, if you're film. so insecure as as to feel that one film, which has genuinely struck a big chord in Hong Kong, hmm. is so likely to undermine the system, how strong do you really think the system is? Yeah. It seems a fair question. It certainly so. You know, does. I mean, in in uh, sorry to sound like a broken record, but you know, in societies that are, are comfortable in their own skin, <laughs> people criticise them. Every single day. Yeah. I mean, I come from a society in Britain where people make an entire living taking the Michael out of politicians, taking the Michael out of the head of state, the Queen, taking the Michael out of more or less anything. And nobody says, oh, they should be locked up. This is, you know, the, the whole system's going to come crumbling round if people laugh at their jokes. Yeah. Do you know, do you know what it, it kind of seems like? And it's almost like this film or some H.G. Wells book or something like this. It just... A fraction thought says, I wonder if the real big, big, big fear is somewhere down the line, little Hong Kong will be the straw that broke, well, that created the biggest spill in China since 1949. You know what I'm getting at. Yeah, it could, I, it could I, be I one day it, that they it, look that, back that, and that's say... That's one way of looking at it. I mean, the other way is just there is an entirely consistent history of one-party states being nervous about freedom of expression, and that's actually what we're talking about. this is Little Hong Kong, it's a postage well, well, stamp. you know, it, it, it starts small and it spreads big. That's, yeah. that's what happens. And the, the, they see it as a virus, which is why, obviously, across the board, the internet is very carefully controlled and monitored, why, you know, many, many cultural outlets are limited... Well, I'd say... Why say many? Let's, let's not weasel around here. All cultural outlets are very carefully monitored and controlled. Yeah. Because, actually, we underestimate the power of the indirect criticism, if you see what I mean. I mean, so filmmakers aren't political parties, songwriters aren't political parties, people who write books aren't members of political organisations, but they have views, and those views can be far more powerful because they come from a slightly off-centre yeah, starting the, point. You're absolutely right, but very often these films are about political things. Yeah. So... Yeah. Well, well ten, I, I don't think the makers of Ten Years um, deny that it's a political film. I mean, that, that's, you know... Let's look at the other side of the coin on this one. People have said it's extremely moving. They challenge you not to cry at the last film. I haven't seen it myself. Uh, so it's it's having a very big impact, not just making other people angry. It's having a very big impact with that, Hong Kong people, and that's probably the answer to your question. That may mean it's a good film. <laughs> it may mean it's also a good film. I mean, the fact that the newly minted uh, film critic James Teen says, oh, well, I've, I've seen the film and I don't like it. Well, good That's luck. fine, he's allowed to say that. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. But, you see lots of films you, you don't know. like. Yeah, I and, mean... And, and it doesn't really you, warrant ink, though, does it? It Do doesn't warrant ink, and, you know, the fact that, that there was such nervousness about this event that, you know, news of it was blacked out on the mainland. Um, as I say, it's almost impossible to see this film in a cinema in Hong Kong. They've taken to putting outdoor showings of the film on mm. because of this entirely non-political boycott by the cinema owners. Somebody stuck a version of it online and the filmmakers <clears throat> immediately kicked up and said, nope, 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 we don't want it up there yet, yet. and they hope they've yeah. written to YouTube and they want to get it yanked. Yeah. I don't know if they have, I should have a look really. But when it does go online, for the entire planet to see, watch this space. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and people who want to see it in China will find a way of doing so. Well, they probably already have. Yeah. You can't tell me this one hasn't been pirated. I don't know. 
I mean, just logic. You know Possibly what I'm saying? not. I mean, that's one reason why they don't want to put it online. It would be the first film you couldn't buy in a dodgy back street <laughs> <Yes>. in Shang Tsung. <laughs> one more before we go. Well, shall we? Shall we talk about one of my favourite Hong Kong organisations, the MTR? Oh yeah, what have they, they done? They found a new target. I mean, so they declare war on Chellis, and actually, Chellis are appalling people. Wipe and, them and out. Wipe them out. Viola players, let's not even go there. But there should be a law on it anyway. <laughs> and then they decided they didn't like sportsmen, so so they declared war on them. But they've actually found a new a new category of people to declare war on, which is designers who carry their cloth around. This is news on, to me. Go on. on on the MTR. So this um, woman designer who lives overseas but came back to Hong Kong, and she literally had one roll of cloth. Well, like a big rolled up roll. Yeah, okay. big rolled up roll of cloth in her possession, <laughs> rolled up, yeah. which which she was told because she had that she couldn't board the train according to regulation seven oh seven oh three four oh five bracket six, and so she said, "Well, I tell you what, I'll stuff it down my jumper and I'll get on the train." Oh, you can't stuff that down your jumper, and she was denied entry. I mean, what 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 is it about the MTR which wants to make a laughing stop? I mean. I was on the MTR yesterday, da, 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 da. Um, and, and you know yeah. you can send in messages of sympathy if you like. And I was sitting there, and I was buffeted about six times by somebody carrying a great big large rucksack on his back rather than putting it on the floor. On his back. On his effing back. <laughs> and uh, so you know, every time he turned around, it would whack the other way, whack. And finally, I said, to him, "Excuse me, I do mind putting that on the floor." Yeah. But you know, I mean. It's a it's a subway. Fair's fair though, Steve. He did have a fridge in it. Yeah, yeah. What's your point? <laughs> Where's this come from? But, but I mean, I mean, what is it? Who are these people who work for the MTR who think that making a laughing stock of a perfectly good subway system is their entire raison d'etre? And that's your actual friend. 